The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same, and he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. Thank you for the privilege of being your homilist this morning. Today's readings speak to the idea of authority. They ask us to reevaluate the assumptions we hold concerning authentic leadership, to explore where we abdicate our responsibilities, and moreover, to examine our faith for ways in which we might strengthen our response to God's call for justice. When Jesus enters the temple and the chief priests and the elders of the people come to him and ask, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? We already know the answer. We know the answer because we are living this story in real time, in our real time. We know that Jesus has the authority because he is the Son of God. But the chief priests and the elders fumble around and consider the ramifications of their answer. They consider social, political, and no doubt, economic consequences of their response. They have no desire to go anywhere near the truth. Not only do the chief priests and elders 
not want to recognize Jesus's authority, but they also do not want to risk their social standing and their political clout in this dicey situation. For them, it is better to remain silent and to plead ignorance of the situation. Better to wait out this administration for the security of their own seats of power. Jesus is frustrated with the chief priests and elders and tells the crowd of listeners a parable. It is a story of a man with two sons. They are both asked to go to work in the vineyard. The first son refuses, but later changes his mind and goes to work. The second son agrees to go, but he does not actually go. Jesus asked the crowd gathered around him, which of the two did the will of his father? And they say, the first. Jesus says to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. This strident rebuke suggests that perhaps that wasn't the correct answer. But I'm not actually sure, because Jesus' parables are so tricky I'm not sure of the correct answer. I wonder if we are being asked to evaluate our response to this question in a completely different way. Perhaps it doesn't matter whether we say yes or no in the beginning, but rather that at some point we do in fact say yes. Jesus is asking us to say yes to God. There is no doubt about that. Matthew's Gospel asks us to recognize the authority of Jesus as God's Son, but acknowledges that to do so is a risky endeavor. It most assuredly will change the trajectory of one's life, including our own. Jesus is the authority of Christianity, but we are asked to be the voice of his message. I give you an interesting case in point. LeBron James is one of the best basketball athletes in the NBA, and maybe the best ever. He went from being a high school phenomenon to being an NBA superstar. He has been in the NBA for 17 years and won countless accolades. Nobody can contest that his God-given talents made him a fabulous athlete and a basketball authority. Recently, I was listening to a podcast called Homebrewed Christianity with Trip Fuller. Maybe some of you know it. One of his listeners sent in a text question asking, why is LeBron James a better leader than the majority of church ministers? Now, this question was meant to be a bit cheeky, but there is something worth exploring here. LeBron James did not say yes to becoming an ordained minister. I'm not even certain of his particular religious beliefs. But when asked to do so, he said yes. Yes to standing up for equal education opportunities for impoverished children and for fighting for racial equality. LeBron James is not the voice of Christian authority, but he knows how to express lament. He knows how to become informed and engage in righteous leadership. His language is forthright, but always about love. His notion of forgiveness seems straight out of the Hebrew scriptures, where forgiveness does not mean to forget, 
but rather it is forged out of respect and justice. While he grieves, LeBron James trusts that justice can prevail in an unjust world. Ezekiel tells us today to turn away from iniquity so that we might live. If my portrait of LeBron James doesn't resonate with you, I remind you that St. Paul said a big no to God before he said a big yes. Even Paul did not always understand God's plan for his life or for that of others. In today's world, we experience a lot of confusing messages. In our time, we are faced with the COVID-19 pandemic, wildfires, the strife of racial injustice, job insecurity, homeschooling, personal and national health issues, and it's an election year. Yes, we might be feeling a little off kilter. There might be a little bit of spiritual struggle rumbling through our hearts and minds. For some, this might be a time when it's a little hard to spiritually trust. We may want to trust God's plan implicitly, but we are a little afraid to hope. Paul certainly must have been afraid to trust God's plan at first, and perhaps a bit at times in his dark moments. But he says something important for us today in his epistle. In his letter to the Philippians, he asks his young Christian community to trust. He writes, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. For it is God who is at work in you. In what seems to be some very challenging times, God is at work within us. These are valuable times indeed. In today's scripture, we are reminded by Jesus that God's world is bigger than that which we can see. Our lens is narrow and sometimes we are blinded by our humanity. Jesus asks us to look beyond ourselves and out towards God so that we don't miss the glory of God and the majesty that God has prepared for all of God's people. May we not miss the wonder and the beauty and all that which is yet unknowable, but is waiting for us to explore and experience with joy. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread, and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.